0: According to Barna, 64% of Christians today think that evangelism is optional. Let's change the stats.
1: Welcome to GoCast, a podcast designed to inspire and equip pastors and leaders to lead soul-winning churches. We have a mission to go and make disciples. This is GoCast.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to GoCast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, joined by my friend and co-host, Tim Tribble. How are you today? I'm well, it's always a pleasure to be here. It is so good. We have a great conversation coming up today. This episode is a conversation I had with my good friend and pastor, pastor Leon Fontaine who is an amazing uh, leader in the church pastors of mega church in Canada with six uh, campuses uh, probably more actually Springs Church one of the Canada's largest congregations as well as he's the CEO of the Miracle Channel plus he does speaking around the world he's an author he's He also sits on boards for different organizations. He's a big thought leader, great, great leader. And we dive into some of the serious issues that have been occurring or that we've been noticing with COVID and its effect on the church. And in particular, we talk about this ever-dividing camps thing that's going on and how do you pastor when you have... Divided camps, even within your staff or within your church, and in COVID times, we have people who are, you know, COVID is a hoax. The conspiracy theorists, they're on one side, and this is just all made up, and this is government control, and all that. And then the other side, you're going, COVID's a very real thing, and it's they're the fear camp, and everything's all.
1: As long as we listen to the government and, and abide by the rules, everything's going to be everything's okay.
0: going to be okay. Yeah. And both of those are in your camp, so. Have you noticed any
1: divides or anything? (laughs) Not at all. Not only everywhere I look, um, but it's a very true and real thing. It's like, how do you take a body that was one congregation prior to COVID and then was split because of the issue and pastor them through, through both sides of those camps? It's a very real issue and it's a great discussion to have.
0: Well, it's not only creating divisions within staffs and within churches, but it's creating divisions within the big C church. Yes, because there are churches that have taken one side or another. Pastors who have jumped on are in one camp or another, and we all have we all lean, yep. but um, but you jump into one camp or another, and it's created division even in churches within cities and provinces and countries, and there seems to be you know people pressing on one side we need to speak up and and fight, fight. and and rally and others saying no you know we got to be christian we got to do all of that and so we dive into that topic as well is when do we as christians fight and stand up uh, to the government and for our rights and and these things and when are we to be
1: silent so yeah anything you've
0: observed on that? It
1: really displays the, and and it's been a a church, like a church issue for a very long time, is the two characteristics of Jesus. So when Jesus came, people were expecting a political overthrow, or yet they got the peaceful, mild, we're not going to fight. But there was a very, um, there was also a very aggressive side of Jesus that that wasn't um, angry or or anything like that, but he was, he wasn't willing to put up with anything either. So it's, um, it's, Although we're seeing it socially, it's very much the same two characteristics of Jesus that the church still talks about today. Well,
0: and Jesus himself says, okay, be as cunning as a serpent, but as harmless as a dove. So there's the two, I mean, there's two camps right there. And I dive into that question. I asked Leon that question specifically, and his answer is incredible. You're going to love this conversation. I think it's going to help you as a pastor, as a leader. As a Christian, as as a citizen, this conversation is going to help you so much. So without further ado, let's dive right into my conversation with Pastor Leon Fontaine. Hey, Leon, welcome back to GoCast. So good to see you, my friend. It's great to have you back on the program. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. We have not actually been together for a long
2: time. We usually are doing coffee quite often.
0: Yeah, I know we're regularly getting together and then COVID has us separated. We're not even allowed to travel between provinces now, like between our two provinces. So that's, that's crazy. I know. I know (laughs) it is. It sure is. But you're doing well. You're looking good. Uh, Yeah, we're doing, we're doing good. Navigating all the fun of, of the season and all the obstacles. I guess one thing I told my staff last night, one thing that we've learned in 2020 is how to be flexible if nothing else. Yeah. Go post, so, keep moving. So you've been pastoring uh, Springs Church for, man, over 26 years now. Mm-hmm. So have you ever been through a year like this?
2: Um, I've never been through this kind of year, but I've experienced worse.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the, <laughs> pull into that. Word, like,
2: what talk does that, about that. Um, I feel like this wasn't that bad for me experiencing this. I think it's because a lot of what people go through is simply an emotion like yeah. you're leading and you're, you're being challenged and you're getting up and you're going. So I'm uh, but there were, yeah. And so it's like a lot of this is an emotion. And this is where I really believe that faith, if we actually believe God that so people would always ask me like, how are you doing? You've got three huge organizations. All of them need millions of dollars. What I said, ah, I was born for the storm. I just kept saying that. They go, "Yeah." oh, good, good. And I'd say, we all were. We weren't born to for the cruise ship. We were born to get up and get out there and, and just go. So that thought and that belief, which I call your BS in your heart, which is your belief systems, if it's, all yep. oh, things have to be good. Jesus, we have to have Holy Ghost meetings and advances and retreats. I think that is a wake-up call. So, yes, that is, this is so a good. Weird one, but I've experienced way worse. Maybe because of where I was at the time <laughs> spiritually. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's so true. I think a lot of times the the theologies that we've grown up in in church have kind of made Christianity this, you know, the cruise ship. Everything is all everything's all good, and if if something's stormy or or then we must be out of the will of God, but. Man, then, then we're not prepared for for the storm. And it's amazing how Jesus led his disciples into the storm. He was the one that led them there because he knew that this was going to be easy compared to what was coming. So that's that's a really good relation. I know who's
2: having the roughest time, or one of the groups that's having the roughest time is the end times, nonstop study the end times people. Because, you know, and then the prophetic people, because the end times people, they're just sure that you know, all this wickedness is gonna happen, that antichrists, and and we know they're here anyway, but I mean, all the different terms they use from the, that it's here, we're going, and and, and they're just, they don't know what to think, and they're just full of fear. And yeah. you kind of look at that and go, my. And then the other group um, is those who rely upon a strong prophetic word always coming from somebody, telling them, and we need to look ahead and project that and say, God, what should we do? But you know what I mean. There are those who, if you don't get a new word from a man of God somewhere every day for their personal life, they don't know what they don't know what to do. And so all these prophets, they didn't seem to prophesy this one. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, Somehow that's that's fascinating. But sometimes in the prophetic sense, we lean too much on on hearing a voice from you know hearing somebody else hear from God instead of leaning in ourselves to what we God is telling us prophets, to do. We all
2: you bet.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, that's very powerful. What's the biggest lesson or some of the biggest lessons that you've learned as a pastor? You know, some of the things that you've had to to adjust in this last year. Um,
2: I find like there's lots of management issues we could dive into, you know, managing people, uh, going online, getting money. There's a ton of stuff that has to do with management. And has to do with administrating new management systems. Um, we can go there if you want. But one of the first things that comes to my mind is that if you fellowship with Holy Spirit, I don't mean because the relationship is the legal side. Yeah. But if you actually fellowship with him as a pastor, you can begin to release such power in your words because there's spirit in life and the pastors who are just maybe, or just people, anybody, that doesn't yep. have that fellowship, that sharing life with Jesus, that giving mm. to each other, you and Holy Spirit in this actual communion. If they don't have that, they are racing just to keep their emotions in check.
0: Yeah, so true. And I mean, it, I think one of the things that I've always respected about you and observed with you is is, is how you lead your people by example in just that and people as emanate your confidence and the people gathered around you so i know uh, not every pastor is is as strong in in that or feel like we're as strong in that as as you model that for your people so let's just talk about some of the management side of people stuff in in this season because how do you manage uh, and i'm hearing from a lot of pastors how do you manage the people on your team that are like, you know, way in the fear side? And this is crazy. And then you got people on the same team that are way in the, you know, this is not real and this is ridiculous side. And then managing that within your teams, but also within your church and being able to to keep unity and keep uh, all that moving ahead. That's the, that's the management. Real One of the
2: biggest come to stuff. Jesus moments for our church that really helped us was I got up and I called all of our volunteer base together. Like everybody that is plugged in, this is the core. Um, yeah. If you're volunteering anywhere, serving anywhere, we called you in, we had a drive-in service. And I I taught them that there are two groups of people. One group believes that there is a lie somewhere in this. There are things that are not adding up. We are being censored. We don't know the whole truth. Everything that's going on in their minds smacks of socialism. They see this in the books. They see this in the countries. They can read what's going on. They are very concerned. Then we have the other group who just are, you know, they're, and there's some in the middle, you know, they just believe, you know, but then there's some who have incredible fear. And so their only hope is the government. And so just be obedient, be obedient, be obedient, do everything they say. This is all going to go away. And so I talked to him just like this and spent some time expressing very clearly these two camps and then everybody somewhere in here. And I said, this is our whole church and I'm, I'm to equip everybody. And this is the people we're trying to reach. And we are trying to reach both camps and we can't, if you camp on a, on one area and tick off everybody else in the other area. And so our first goal as a church is to reach the lost and then Mm -hmm. to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not to diagnose and decide who's right and which side our camp. As a church, what Mm -hmm. is our belief? I said, I am neither. I am in the middle reaching both groups. That's what a church is. Now, if you feel compelled in your area of expertise to bring light, to bring the whole truth to what you feel is not the whole truth, um, then please, that is your conscience, that is your job, that is your career. Hear from God, get up and go. Over here, if this is a part of what you feel you need to do is to bring light on why the government is right or whatever, then walk with wisdom, fulfill what you do. But the church, our role is to reach the lost, and it is to equip the saints for the work of their ministry, I'm going to say. And it took all these people who wanted to know where I stood. They all went, oh, yeah. He's not a conspiracy theorist or, well, he hasn't drunk the Kool-Aid and he doesn't see uh-huh. anything going on. I actually didn't deal with either one. and yeah. uh, But if I see things that are going on, I'll, you know, I'll, in a very general way, I'll just pray about this, and, uh, et cetera. So that's kind of the, I don't know what you'd call it, that is where we, that I stand as a leader,
0: yeah. Well, that that's, I mean, that's fantastic. That's thats amazing to be able to do that. But that's also, I mean, not just, you know, clarifying your stance in this whole season, which I think is, you know, all leaders are looking for. Where do we stand? And what, what if, you know, because on one side, you know, we see, you know, we're going, well, we lean, all of us lean one way or another on what this whole thing is all about. And then going, how? where do we fight? And where do we not fight? And what do we stand up for? And what do we not stand up for? And bringing and leading with that clear vision, and say, so, you know, uh, this is what we do as a church, and this is why we exist. And leading with that clear vision that we're here to reach the lost, we're here to make disciples. Leading with that clear vision gives everybody the confidence of what to step into and, and do next. So that's that's awesome. Now you at you and your team have, at Springs of. You're always on the cutting edge of innovation. So during COVID season, this was no different. So talk to us about discussions you and your team had around committing to drive-in church in Winnipeg, because you guys have been doing that every week for man, months. Yeah,
2: in March, the end of March, when we first heard this, um, we were you know uh, I heard that okay, so you can't do church. So so all right. So what can't we do? We can't meet in buildings. And, uh, so I literally called the department heads who were involved with preparing service together, talked a little bit, found out what the laws, the rules at that point, nobody knew what we were dealing with. Uh, this could be a virus that all these movies have predicted for years. Talk about prophetic is people who watch movies and, and believe that for their future, but, um, and as we were talking and looking at all the things that are going on something what i just something that rose up in me is the church of jesus christ thrives in the storm this is when we have supernatural ability to think to be wise this is when the generals rise up this is when the strategists come into their own actually it's kind of boring if it's just la di da di da my knapsack on my back um not that i want these storms but we you know, it's like the, the army We're you know, we're not made for peacetime. We're made for the storm. And I don't mean then things attacking us, then get out into someone else's storm and bring freedom. And so something, you know what, Kelly, something settled on me. Um, I just felt like a general all of a sudden. And I don't mean over people. I mean to whom much is given. Much is required and this heavy sense of responsibility um, came on me. But that heavy, I mean, like that heavy anointing, not not a heavy depression. And I look at them and I said, we're pulling because we have two campuses. I mean, in the Winnipeg area where I was at the moment that time, we have one, two, three, four, five wait, one, two, three, four, five buildings that do church. Selkirk, yep. Steinbeck, inner city, two campuses, are two buildings on the Winnipeg campus, and that we were always building up and fixing up and, and getting big screens and television camera. We're just always never stopping to have, to build finances, to build equipment, to keep our buildings going well, to try to stay cutting edge. And so I said, all right, you guys, right now, in the room, grab a pen, I'm doing drive-in church outside in the evening, we're doing it, and what do we gotta do? Well, you gotta start pulling screens off walls, and unbolting lights off of, off of rafters, and pulling cameras out, and, and and all this stuff, and I'm telling you the team around me rocked! It was like uh-huh. they were galvanized, they had a word I said, we're doing this on Saturday I, think it was, I, I can't remember all the details if I'm off by detail, but it was either Saturday of the year Sunday night, we're doing it. And I said, so you go figure this out. What do we have to rent? Go rent it right now. Well, it's going to be, I don't, I don't care. Rent it anyway. And book lots of options months ahead. Get me these sound systems for outside. Get me this. Uh, you know." And so, um, they mobilized and that and we just began to advertise "us Join us in your cars. Pastor Legon wants to talk to you. And that first night, um, it was Unbelievable. I mean, we have, we can park in the Winnipeg site, I think 1800 cars. And, but there's about three or four parking lots that through the trees in the wintertime, when there's no leaves on them, you can see through these parking lots. And so they fill through the first one, the second one, then into the third one and parts in the fourth one. And of course they're driving in with their lights on. And so you just see a sea of cars as hundreds upon hundreds of cars rally. And that, I don't even remember what I spoke on, but I know, knowing me, it would have been on the power of God, faith to rise up yep. and go. Don't yep. let a spirit of fear. I think it actually was my very first message was fear, uh, faith over fear was, my, I think, my very first message. Yep. And uh, people, you could just see them looking. Some were weeping in their cars. Some, you could just see the strength stiffening in their back. And that was a tremendous time. And then we had to redirect me if I'm going in the wrong direction for you, Kelly. But no this the is management great. Yep. side. We have we have teams like 450 volunteers who work with just kids ministry. And we pull off amazing kids ministry for services. And we're doing yep. services in all these places. And now we can't do any of it. So they're stuck in cars. So we had to think through what's a bag we could hand a car that would give these kids something to do. And and now we don't even do services. So our kids ministry is a production team. Uh, And then this team and the, you know, how and and what they did and what they managed for me is so different. So they had to sit down and retool. And so there's a ton of detail in that. But I think everyone could figure out and we'll dive in anywhere but. You said something very true earlier, and that is that, you know, I'm on a plane a lot, and I've never really been worried except one time. And in that mm. one time, I was sitting there, and I've had planes drop so fast that bodies came out of seats and didn't have their seat belts on and, and stuff. But there was this one time I saw a mature, um, we don't call them stewardesses anymore, running.
0: Mm.
2: That'll make your hair stand on end. Yeah. And Sal and I were coming across okay. from uh, Europe back home, and they had a fire over the ocean in one of the galleys, which is a dire emergency. And they yeah. put it out. You could smell the smoke coming through the plane. I mean, people were, and <laughs> here's the lesson. We're watching the experts yep. when they're running you know you're dead. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so when they look at us as leaders of church, you better know and have confidence. You better not be running around like Chicken Little. Parents in your homes, if you want kids, kids are unbelievably stressed out. Teenagers are committing suicide. Kids are, are going through stuff. They're watching mom and dad. They've never sensed such fear. And so wherever you are a leader in business, et
0: cetera, you better not be that stewardess running because you're freaking out the whole plane. That is so good. That is, that's so true. I mean, you said this, this earlier too, right? As, as a leader, like we are made for storms. You said it multiple times. And I think we need to, I think we need to realize as pastors that, Hey, this we're called and God doesn't call us just for, you know, to be captains on the cruise ship. We're called to be generals in the battleship and that we're called to be leading through the storm. So this shouldn't be outside of our, our realm of anointing, calling, destiny. Like this is, we were made for this. Absolutely. And that anointing, like you, I love what you said too, that the anointing of a general just came on you. And I mean, y- you did that. There was, an, there was a confidence, there's always a confidence with you, but there was a different level, even in how you spoke to your church. Cause you talked, you talked confident, confidently, but you spoke and attacked fear. I mean, like week after week, after week, after week. And setting up your church now to weather the storm as well. Talk to us a little bit about that, because I mean, that is, I think as leaders, not only do we need to have that confidence ourselves, but how do we now communicate that and get that across to our congregations? And that's not just one sermon. That I mean, talk to us about that. That the, We have to keep prepare our church for a season like this and through a season like this.
2: Yeah, I, I would I'll I'll attack something or I'll just talk about something that I, I noticed. Um, different stories I hear like this: some pastors, when they had a moment to begin to bring their church back, uh, I remember one guy had a church of over a thousand people in attendance before uh, this uh, COVID incident and. Then, when he finally had a chance to bring them back into his church, I don't know what it was then 25%, 30, 40 that he could have, um, he couldn't even get back. I, it was less than 100. Hmm. And when they could, they didn't. Yet hmm. in other places, they did. So there is such a mixed bag that, oh, uh, you know what? We might as well speak real. We're not at a time anymore to to no, be. Absolutely. I've always said people say, we need more churches in our cities. I said, no, we need half of them gone. And uh, the ones who aren't called the pastors who just their ego needed it. The pastors who they just got tired of working under a senior pastor and I can do this too. It looks simple or, 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 um, and they, there's always an, there's always enough cousins and relatives and friends and people who want leadership in a small pond or whatever. And I'm not saying this is every church. Remember, you'll know if it, so where you can hang on to great worship leaders and you hang on to great giving units and you hang on to good childcare workers and good counselors that they pick up the vision and they're, and they're there and they'll spend their whole life being faithful. But faithful yeah. means faithfully fruitful. And then they yeah. tend to do what our whole socialistic nation does, look at anything big as, well, that's big business, it's all about money. And, <laughs> and so I, I have no problem with churches that ha- are not, this sounds so bad, I'm going to just say that churches are going to, we're going to find out, yep. were you born for the storm? Because yep. if you're not called into the fivefold and you put yourself there, you are in one mess already. So Sorry. would the true pastors and apostles and, and evangelists and teachers, uh, would they please rise up and take their place? I don't mean push yourself. I mean, just get up and be. And in that, the presence of God will come off of you. And for those who are watching and, you know, you're attending or not attending someplace and you just realize that, you know, if you build a boat, you say, well, It's got to be tested. Oh, you put it in the water, the water will test it. If you're going to build a plane, you don't know if it is a, if it's going to work until you launch it into the air and then gravity tests it. So I think for all these people who feel called to be pastors, for all these people who, it looks cool in our generation. When I was a kid, no one wanted to be a pastor. You had to really be cold because it was fighting with the board and there was a different view. But today, as we look at all these rock stars on TV and and all these things, I think there's a, a whole generation that wants to rise up and be that, but you can't. Seminary can't produce a five-fold ministry gifting. Neither can Bible school. Neither does public speaking. Neither does uh, being administratively good, managerially good. None of these skills or gifts make you a five-fold ministry gift. And, and by the way, that doesn't make you higher. That makes you the servant of all. Yep. So there's stuff, Kelly, that is going to fall apart. There is stuff that's going to disappear.
0: Yeah, that's man. That's so good. So I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I just wanted what you're saying, what I'm hearing you say is that we don't need the, the church of today and the church of the future. We don't need more pastors, we don't need more preachers. We need generals.
2: Yeah, but I, I should correct that then. I mean, we do need more pastors and leaders, but not more wannabes. Right. Who are not called. We should always right. be producing good pastors and good leaders, and the fivefold should be developed. We should find them in our churches and raise them up. And if you don't say I don't know what they are, train them all to be leaders. Yes. And the gift will make way for them. You'll see it, you'll recognize it. Yeah. But titles don't change him. I guess is what I'm saying. You can call yourself the most reverent pastor, Grand Puba, a most reverent pastor, anointed of God, most reverent Grand Puba pastor. Titles don't change anything
0: when the storm hits. That's so true. Man, this is so good. All right. So when we when you hear about this, I mean, I can hear pastors and sense pastors already right now rising up even, you know, um, as they're hearing you talk. But you're, I mean, talk to us about the balance between, you know, Jesus said to be cunning as, servants, as serpents and as harmless as doves. So, man, there's a—he there's he said both and. He didn't say or. Uh, I think we all tend to lean one direction or another. But when do—let's just talk about this for a few minutes. When, when do we as church leaders or as the church stand up and fight for our rights— and when when do we be silent and what's the guiding principle that helps you decide when it's time to fight for our our rights and when you know okay. what's the hill to die on which one not to right. if we're going to
2: look at just these two issues because i haven't had time to place everything into a descending priority list um fight or be silent i would say that the church of jesus christ should always be advancing in this militarized zone of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Here's our problem. We haven't been. We think the war is just taking place because our rights and our freedoms personally are being attacked. And if you look at rights and freedoms too much as a servant of Jesus Christ, you forget your duties and responsibilities. Yep. And so what is our duty? what's our responsibility it's to reach out to a world the world was the, the church just took country after country because we cared for people we walked into disease ridden towns and cared for them and and walked in health and protection or they died there with them but they loved and they cared and they reached out and today we're just another doctrinal religion and if you're just another yeah. doctrinal religion and you start attacking the world you guys this is the sin that's the sin which is what preachers think that they should be doing attack the sin of the world. Well, the only sin is not accepting Christ and then he'll clean them up there. So when you talk about when do we fight, I think we should always be fighting if you want to call it that, but that fight according to the word of God is always, um, in your own heart and mind, pulling down strongholds, casting down strongholds, imaginations, reasonings, taking thoughts captive because you were made for this storm. The business Mm -hmm. people, the doctors, the lawyers, the moms, the dads we were made and inside of us is stunning overcoming power. It's all being shut down by fear or it's never been taught or whatever. And so we've got this stunning army called the local church who is incredible, and I'm sorry, but I've not seen a lot of people look at mobilizing. i now, here's the next thing. If government isn't doing what we want, and we are afraid that we're losing privileges to gather to do church, and by the way, that's an argument because one group is saying, no, we're just protecting precious people from this virus. Another group is saying, it's ridiculous because And they list how that there is no more deaths than normal if this is a pandemic. Like both sides have intelligent people on them, which means both sides seem to have their points that are fairly good data. Well, even if we could control who gets into government and keeps us our rights, if we continue to not win the nation to Christ in a democratic country, How are we ever going to do it? Because if we don't win them to Christ and they don't fall in love with this Jesus we love and then fall in love with his church, which is caring for people and loving people, then they're going to be against us. And sorry, but the last decades, it's like the world is against a church that is attacking them and and calling them down and stopping their freedoms like you can't superimpose the Christian lifestyle through laws on people. If we get freedom and I want freedom and Liberty, if we yep. get it as a church, everybody else in the country gets it and yep. they get it sexually. They get it. Um, and what they believe in a whole ton of areas religiously, yep. uh, and we might not agree with them, but in a democratic country, this is not a theocracy. It's a democratic country. Then we have to be fine with all of us getting our freedoms. And if we all just maintain that, the church will fly anyway, because yeah. we, have all, we have so many beautiful answers. And so are we fighting? Yes. Now, I got to take this a little further. We've always said we must equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And we thought we just meant witnessing. <laughs> yeah. And absolutely, that's a huge, that is the number one. But what about equipping that boy that does have a gift to be a prime minister, that girl who could be the prime minister one day, that financial guy that could one day lead and guide all of the business of the nation? What about Mm. that uh, person rising up in healthcare, in education, that is stunning gifts? We don't even believe that because you know, the world's big bad and Jesus is coming back soon, so batten down the hatches, get 20 years of dried food and four generators because, G- because the, you know, the Antichrist, is gonna, like whatever their end-time beliefs are, they better see yeah. a victorious church. And most of them don't know how to work that into their end-times doctrine. So yeah. should do we fight? Yes. But our fight is for the souls of men. Theologians are saying, where do we see Jesus and the apostles— Fighting Rome. Exactly. Well, we don't. But what they did was take Rome out yep. <laughs> by winning and the miraculous flow of Jesus Christ. But yep. now, once you are in a, your own, and this is like the New Testament is 12 traveling evangelists taking the gospel. So, yep you got to be careful about superimposing everything they did as all that we're going to do, because that's a lot of churches. Go back to the Old Testament, and there's leadership and wisdom and Solomon and David and raising up countries, and and how do you raise healthy countries? So I'm all for both of this. It's just that if the church takes this adversarial role against the world on our own, just—we are— turning off the very people we are to win. And even if we get the government seats, and even if we get our people in, I don't know how you can do that without democratically winning the majority to Christ or to our thinking. Like it's just, so you can see that everyone's thinking through our rights and our freedoms. And I am total agreement, I got kids, I got grandkids, man. I am in this thing. But my strategizing and my thinking is you know, I must win the lost. I must equip our saints in our churches, our brilliant men and women. Can I yeah. show them that what God has for them is to move up into a realm where they will influence business, they'll influence education, they'll influence health care. And if they have a real um, heart for God, they will not be manipulated. When, when, you know, whichever political leader, when they get in, if they have... Te- God redeemed power and God redeemed authority through Christ. Yep, yep. They always say that if you've got, you know, where you got, if you have too much power, power corrupts. Well, yep. of course, but yet, does it come through? the cross as well. Yes, it does, because an individual has to handle authority. They have to handle power. And so we need to be teaching our churches how to handle authority and power, both spiritually, both governmentally. We've gotta have, and I am i don't even know where to look and start, I just feel like, God, I have missed it. Like, I mean, I'm doing my best, but I have never been more passionate than saying, Tommy Barnett always said, what you need's in the house. And yep. so I want to equip them and raise them up with a sense of faith and mm-hmm. God and wisdom. And when if we do, let's say we got, let's say you've got the next prime minister in your church. And if you could look into the future and say 15, 20 years from today, this man's going this woman's gonna run the nation as a as a prime minister. And well, the reason that's not happening is first of all, we we wouldn't even believe that in most cases. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> yeah. if we did, there'd be nothing he'd be able to be taught other than how to witness, how to volunteer, hand out our bulletins, um, you know, help paint our church. Now, all of these things we do. Yeah. But where do we begin to gather people together and say, now, know, listen to me, there's gifts inside of you. There are skills yeah. inside of you. And I'm not the one reaching the nation. You are. I'm a shepherd shepherd don't have sheep, sheep have sheep. And so I'm going to show you how to rise up and you get in there and you go back to, we've got the great commission, but what about the original mandate that's never been taken away in Genesis to go and multiply and subdue and have dominion? That is still in effect, but we're all just waiting for Jesus to blow a trumpet and come back and, and whatever your end time doctrine is, you know, and so, yeah, you got me passionate, but so this whole quagmire of, all these doctrines that have crept into the church. It's like all this time I, I call it spirit contemporary. I've been trying to push back things I think are irrelevant and wrong. And how do I raise up uh, a church that we're raising up the leaders of nations and provinces yes. and cities and healthcare and finance, man, I'll stop right there. Cause I'm getting to preach on, but.
0: That is so good. I, I love that. I, 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 we haven't talked much in the, as much as we normally do anyway, in, in the last number of months, but yet, I mean, it, Hearing your heart, I was like, it resonates with me because, and I'm sure it resonates with a lot of those listening too, because the Holy Spirit's been been teaching, like, working on me in the same things. And some of the things that that I hear you saying is, I was like, man, yeah, that's exactly what the tension I feel at myself in this time is going. Okay, where do we fight? Where do we not fight? Because I've I've got concerns. As, as a Christian with rights going away but I'm not but I, I with those concerns as a, as a Christian and our rights to meet and gather as a church I'm looking at this and going but should I be concerned about that because you know we we have a, a mandate right now in Alberta like 15% can can gather on a Sunday well in in the early church, they, they were not only not mandated to meet, but it was illegal to be a Christian and they were killed for it and all the rest of it. Yet the church thrived and moved. And I was like, well, it doesn't matter as a Christian, as a church, the church is gonna prosper and go and we we still have a mission whatsoever. So I was like, yeah, regardless of what the government does, we're not like, let's just do that. Now, at the same time, and I, I said this to, um, I don't know, my son, at the same time, he's like, dad, are you, aren't you concerned with this? Yeah as a as a citizen of this country, I see some things that I'm concerned as a citizen about these things, and that's different. but but, as a church, I think the best days of the of the church are coming. And really, what we need to focus on. I heard you say this, and I think this is really powerful, is that where we fight is 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 we fight in a different kingdom, and we belong to a different kingdom. And that fight is is for that kingdom, not necessarily for. For the earthly kingdoms that we see, and our hope, our future, our like the strength is in the kingdom is not of this world. That that's where the kingdom, that's where the fight um, really for us as a church and winning souls and taking our our nation back is going to be through soul. So yeah, man, I love this. A, that's
2: so true. It's our it's our first. And you know we have a long game and we have a short game. Yeah, and there are things to deal with in the short game. In a democracy, we should all be experts on democracy. When I talk to our members of parliament and our MLAs, who a lot of them talk with me and and we'll talk on the phone, Where should we do with this or that? They'll help me, I'll help them. Um, It's like, why does the church only stick their head up and complain when a right or freedom gets attacked? Where are they when I'm trying to rally and gather people? And so, yes, I think I think we must rise up and become involved in the political process as never before. We need lawyers. We need politicians. We need all of this. It's like Wilberforce in England. I think it was more than yes. 50 years was his yep. long game to stop slavery. And they kept yeah. cautioning him. Don't just rise up against something. And like the church always, I'm being invited by people everywhere, rise up and help us fight this injustice. Yeah, And then sometimes I find out that injustice wasn't injustice it was a person who wasn't using wisdom and so when you don't use wisdom certain laws come into effect and so you were saying like we can only do 15 percent and and i know you know this but actually no everybody can do a hundred percent just do seven services exactly (laughs) do seven (laughs) services like i know that's like we're, we're i'm simplifying some stuff to a much bigger, which would take hours upon hours of great men a, and women in a room talking this thing through, because there's so many fronts that this is coming at us, like healthcare is in charge of our whole world. Um, and I didn't, don't know why or how in the world doctors and scientists can run, uh, can lead provinces and countries and cities is beyond me. But that's who's in control, for example. But I get it from the perspective of and th- that we have to protect the vulnerable. Okay, so it's just right now the, the 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 what is going on the church almost needs to begin some great leaders need to get together this needs to happen where yep. we're talking to others because i don't have all the wisdom and all the knowledge but after 40 years of pastoring there's some for sure things that rise up in my and there are others that have pieces of this and as we talk as we i think every pastor ought to be doing this get your your you know your stuff out there and let your sure people see it um but there's some there's some key things pastors need to understand so that they're not just, I don't know, a, a lot of people coming to our drive-in church, they have the same story. They just go, we're driving our cars into your service because our pastor is still at home on his couch preaching into his cell phone. Yeah. No, I don't know what that means. I have no problem. I do that. I have lots of stuff. I just, but I think... They said, we see you here and there's slides and ice going in and people, you know, obeying the new legislative laws that come out every week and the goalposts change, but you'll just rethink a new way. And I said, we just see people thriving and and, and they just, they're just shocked.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, this has been so good. We we got to we got to continue this conversation on. We're actually going to continue next week. We got so much to talk about. We're just scratching the surface. I think this has been so good. So we're going to continue this next week uh, with part two with Pastor Leon Fontaine. Thank you so much for this. And man, we will uh, we'll Great. see you next week. Yeah. What an amazing conversation with Pastor Leon. So much, I can just sense the anointing on that one and so much depth in in that. So many takeaways. I'd highly encourage each of you. I don't think you can just listen to that conversation once and pull everything out of it. I I would encourage you to go back, listen to this conversation again. There's so much in there. What stood out to you?
1: I love that he pointed out. It's like... He wasn't taking on a victimized mindset either, so when he was saying, like, I needed to pastor a church through this, through this division, it's like, I had to take on the mindset that I was born for this storm. I was, like, God knew that I was going to be alive in this time and date, so he's prepared me and equipped me with everything that I need to be able to handle this, and uh, he gives the illustration of, um, of just being ready to face on the troubled waters that we know we're going to face in culture. So good. Yeah. That's that to me as well. I
0: love how he said that, Hey, yeah, I felt this anointing or this mm-hmm. mantle of, 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 a general and, and, and I, I was born for the, for the storm. And yeah. you can just, you can sense the courage and the strength and in, in that in him. And you like it, it's rallying. It's in, yeah. It's encouraging and inviting. And that's what we are as leaders are supposed to be. And it's, that's so important for us to be able to do, and I think a lot of us, means myself included, I, I really needed that kind of encouragement and yeah. reminder, and going, yeah, we were made for this, and God made us for this, and that's so good. I also really loved how he said we got the the vision and the mission. I mean, we're here to win souls. Mm-hmm. And that is the primary vision and that's how we can plan and go forward. I thought that was appropriate comment mm-hmm. in regard to being on GoCast. That's totally that's what we're all about. That's what we do. And that vision hasn't changed. Well, we really want to encourage each of you to engage in this conversation. Don't just listen, don't just watch. We really want to hear from you, especially in this time in this, you know, COVID season. Yeah. And all the shifting that's happening within the church, we really need each other and we need to hear from one another. So we'd highly encourage you to message us and connect with us and share your opinions, your thoughts, what God is saying to you so how do people connect with us
1: absolutely so all of our archives from season one and this season coming up we're located on all major podcast playing platforms you can find us on social media through facebook instagram gocast.ca website as well as well as on youtube and engage
0: again in the conversation please message us we'd love to hear from you well there's so much more that Pastor Leon has to say, and we continued the conversation. We, we went a little bit deeper, and we dove into some other issues as well. And so here's a snippet from next week's continued conversation with Pastor Leon Fontaine.
2: I think pastors have reasons why they don't grow their churches. Yeah. And I think you're lying to yourself. If you are a pastor, then there's something beautiful and special inside of you. Absolutely. It'll never come out if you keep comparing
0: it to somebody else
2: using their gift.
0: You're not going to want to miss next week's continued conversation with Pastor Leon Fontaine. Man, we go deeper and dive into some man issues that I don't know that anyone really wants to talk about. We take on some pretty hard, hard-hitting stuff that we're thinking, but not really bold enough to talk about. I know it's really going to encourage you like it did me. So don't miss next week with Pastor Leon Fontaine. Thank you again everyone for joining us at GoCast. We'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of GoCast. We hope you feel inspired and better equipped to take your community for Christ. Make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. Let's go and break the stat together.